couple weeks ago called First Things First. And I believe that if you'll start right, it, it just tends to work better. You can't build a house by starting on the roof. You got to start on the foundation. It's first things first. And any of you that's ever built a house or any of you that's ever done a project, if you don't plan it accordingly, it's, it, it takes a lot more effort, maybe time, and maybe it won't even get done if you do things out of order. Uh, if you're building a house, it's a whole lot easier to run the wires before you put the drywall on the walls. Okay? Otherwise, you got to start tearing down the drywall, and then it just costs a little bit more. In our life and in the things that we do for God, if we'll put first things first, the rest of our life will fall into place. And our first uh, message was very simply God first. And uh, I believe that if you will put God first in your life, you'd be amazed at how much else falls into place. And tonight, or this morning rather, I want to preach about first fruits. First fruits. We put God first. And then first fruits. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1. And uh, let me preach a little bit and give you teaching. I'm uh, When you begin to preach something of this nature, perhaps it's not a shouting service. Perhaps it's not even a service where at the altar there's going to be a great uh, uh, move of, of us. Because it's, it's a teaching moment. And this is one of those things, I remember reading in the word of God that uh, Jesus was talking, Jesus was teaching from the back of the, the crowd, if you will. A lady uh, spoke up and, and she was, this was not a, a, a wrong way to say it. They had different ways of talking, but she said, you know, uh, blessed is the womb that bore you. Blessed are the breasts that you nursed on. And she was basically just kind of giving uh, uh, Jesus some glory and, and all of that. And Jesus stopped and said, well, well, hold on. Before you do all that, it's more blessed to just do the word. If you want to bless God, follow his word. You can give God all the accolades you want to give, but at the end of the day, are you living a life that pleases him? That's the greatest worship you could ever do. And I'm not against boisterous worship. I'm not against singing and clapping and shouting and dancing and not against all of that. But all of that is useless if we don't follow the word of God. And so today, the, 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 the test of whether or not you receive this message is do you follow the principle of first fruits? The Bible says in Genesis chapter 4, And Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in a process of time, it came to pass that Abel, or rather that Cain, that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering, but to Cain and to his offering he had no respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you wroth? Why are you mad? Why is thy countenance falling? If you do well, shall you not be accepted? And if you don't do well, sin lies at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. I'm not going to take you into the more common uh, places of this story, the, the murder, the first murder, and all of that, but it's this principle that I want to show you, starting at the very beginning that uh, this, this principle of first things first, first fruits. Would you bow your head and would you ask the Lord's word to speak into your heart and your mind. Father, we love you. 
And we thank you today. And we're asking that we would hear the word. God, not just with our heart, not just with our ears, not with our mind, but with all of that and our soul as well. Would you let us receive the word that we have been given and let us be doers of the word as well as hearers. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. This very first offering, if you will, is found in the book of Genesis chapter 4. And there... There, there's a lot of things around that, and, and I, I believe there is a, a principle that started at the very beginning of time that in order to cover sin, a sacrifice of an innocent death has to happen. When God covered the sin of Adam and Eve, he did so by having to kill an animal and taking the skins of that animal and putting them upon uh, the, the, the shameful nakedness of Adam and Eve. Uh, they're... they're own abilities to cover their sin by sewing together garments or aprons of fig leaves were not, it was not enough for that. There has to be a sacrifice of an innocent blood that was shed. And so from the very beginning of time, we see there is this, this understanding that sacrifice, especially if it's, if it's uh, for our atonement, has to have a death. But the difference between Cain and Abel's offering is not necessarily in the fact that one brought fruit and one brought something that died. God accepted Abel's sacrifice. God did not and rejected Cain's. Now, I don't know what it means when it says he accepted it. There's other places in the Bible that fire from heaven came down and consumed the sacrifice, so I don't know if that's the, the mark of difference between God's acceptance that maybe fire from heaven consumed Abel's sacrifice but not Cain's, I'm not exactly sure. But listen to me for just a moment. The reason God rejected Cain in his sacrifice, it was not because of the type of offering per se. It wasn't the fact that he brought squash or corn or grain and Abel brought a lamb. That's not why God rejected his sacrifice. He rejected the offering because Cain's heart was not right with God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4 gives us an insight into why he said it was by faith that Abel offered a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Perhaps if I could uh, expound on that a little more, it means that Abel had faith in God and he was right with God. Later years, Moses would come about and give you some uh, offerings of grain and fruit. And so we know that God accepts an offering of grain and fruit. Perhaps, and, and I'm, I'm quite convinced that even if Cain would have brought a, a little uh, a person, you know, a little, little lamb of the flock and sacrificed and shed that blood, it still wouldn't have been accepted because his heart wasn't right. Abel brought the very best that he had and he sought to please God, but Cain didn't have that same attitude of faith. In fact, it's 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22 says, Behold, it is better to obey than to sacrifice and to take heed than the fat of rams. And that principle is, is echoed throughout Scripture. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Just because you come to church, just because you worship, just because visibly you look okay, doesn't mean all is right in your life. The Bible says, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5, it's absolutely possible to have a form of godliness but have no power. To me, that's one of the saddest states in the Bible is to go through all the motions and look good 
but have no power. I would ask this, why? Why? Why go through all the work but get none of the benefits and the rewards that God wants to give someone who truly follows them with their whole heart? It's, it's what God told the children of Israel in Isaiah and then later Jesus quoted from that. He said, these people come near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. I, I believe and, and I have done my best and I don't say this in any type of bragging. I don't mean that at all. But I, I think that if I'm going to preach it, I've got to live it. Is that fair enough? I don't want to ask you to do something that I myself am not willing to do. But I believe that, that I have learned the principle of worship and sacrifice. And I can give and, and I have given. In fact, uh, uh, here very shortly you will receive because we have to by, by Missouri state law, you're going to receive a contribution statement uh, of all of your contributions that you've given to the church. And I, I remember a few years ago, I opened mine up and I showed my wife and I said, Sister Buford, how, how can we do this? I, I don't understand. But the greatest sacrifice, the greatest worship, the deepest sacrifice you can give is absolutely useless if your heart's not right with God. You cannot buy your way into heaven. You cannot buy your way into God's presence. You cannot do that. In fact, Jude chapter 11 talks about the way of Cain and it's a way of self-will and unbelief. So I'm just kind of setting the stage first after everything I'm fixing to preach about. If your heart's not right with God, everything else I say is useless until you get your heart right with God. But could I please talk to you about your first fruits. That if your life is walking with God and you are trying to, to, to be in God's will and you're wanting the, the, the blessings and the presence of God on your life and you want to walk with power and you want to walk with that authority that we've been singing about, then you need to understand first, put God first. And then second, learn the principle of first fruits. One day, a, a boy and girl, little sister, little brother, they were playing Noah's Ark in a small wading pool in their backyard, and they had used an old shoebox for the ark, and they'd put different things in there, you know, their stuffed animals, their little little plastic animals, and they were there, and they, they had been good, you know, they'd gone to Sunday school, they knew the story of Noah, and when they got done, and, and the, the, the water in the wading pool was all out, and they knew that at the end, when the ark settled, and Noah and his family came out, they had to sacrifice something to God. And so they were trying to decide. The boy wanted to offer his sister's doll. And uh, the doll, you know, said, oh, no, no, that, that's too, too valuable to me. And she suggested, let's offer the G.I. Joe man that you have there. And, uh, of course, the little boy said no to that. And they argued back and forth about uh, what to give and, and who was going to give. And finally, uh, the little girl ran to the house. And in a few minutes, she came back with an old stuffed sheet. One ear was ripped off. The wool was filthy and dirty. One of the eyes were missing. And she made this statement. She said, hey, let's sacrifice this. We don't want it anyway. It's funny and you can kind of laugh and smile at the, at the little uh, kid. And, 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 you know, they can agree. And the broken and forgotten toy was given to God. And, and, but there's timeless truths that are, are contained right there. And that is how many times do we give something to God that we really don't need or really don't want. 
we should give God our first fruits. Now, I don't preach about giving very often. Maybe once or twice a year do I preach, but it is a principle that if you want your life to change, if you want your circumstances to change, learn to give to God first. There is a principle in the Word of God called tithing. It is uh, a 10% of, of what you give, and much of the Bible was written when money was not an everyday luxury. They didn't have money at the very beginning. They, they, they used a bartering system, if you will. And so in Moses' day and even all the way back into Abraham's day, this tithing was, was presented that God desired a tenth of what was produced by, God, by, by man's work, the grain, the livestock, etc. And so they were to give a tenth of their harvest, a tenth of their produce, a tenth of their livestock. I don't think anybody here today uh, operates in that way. Uh, today you work a job and you make money. Money is the currency. And if you don't believe me, go try. Go to your bank and try to pay your uh, mortgage with a wheelbarrow of potatoes or a side of beef or you know something like that. They don't accept that. And so today we give to the Lord our money. There's a principle of giving to him and sacrificing our time, our talents, and our treasures. And, and we've done all of that, and, and we'll talk about it later, but it's that tithing, it's that giving, it's that first fruits. But if, if I could, although invariably we're going to talk about money, invariably we're going to talk about paychecks, we're going to talk about our increase, can I just make this statement at the very beginning? The things that you want more of, give them to God first. You want more passion? Give your passion to God first. Do you need more finances? Give it to God first. Do you want more in your family and, 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 and not necessarily more children per se, but do you want something greater in your family? Then learn to bring your family to God first. Now, that principle, as, as simple as it is, is life-changing. I've seen way, let me just key in on family for a moment. I've seen way too many people invest so much in their family and later on in life lose out with their family because they never let their family come to God first. The hierarchy in my life is this, God, family, church, but that doesn't mean I put my family before church. It means I know how important my family is and I want them in the middle of church. I want them in the middle of the things of God. I want them there at prayer meetings. I want them there at worship services. I want them there in the sermons. And if I will learn to give to God my family, he'll bless it in ways I could never dream of. There's an article that I, I read by, the, by a lady by the name of Paula White and she asked this question, what was the difference between Cain and Abel's sacrifice? And the difference was that Abel gave a first fruit offering. Cain gave a partial offering. The first fruit offering, and I'm going to explain it here in a moment, but the first fruit offering is based on faith. It's the fact that if you give to God the first, it sets the course for the blessings to be released for the rest. The Bible verse says this, that God is faithful, that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. 
And so when you begin to give, because Abel stepped out by faith and obeyed God, he obtained a right standing with God. His first fruit offering is an example to you and I how to give. I want my faith to be, be you know, just, just uh, uh, punctuated by the fact that I give God my firsts. Now, I don't know how many of you, 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 you've been in church. Maybe you've never really heard this phrase. Some of you have. And, and, and let, me, let me talk to you about this first fruits. What is first fruits? And I'm going to use some teaching that, I, that I've found. And so some of what I'm going to say here is not necessarily original with me. It's, it, it, it's through teaching and, and, and Bible studies that I've seen. But Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 10 uh, kind of gives a principle. It says, when you come into the land that I give you, and you reap its harvests, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. Why don't you listen to me? Because uh, I've been reading, I love the Word of God, and you know I'm on this kick to understand the Word of God more and more. God told the children of Israel as they were in the wilderness, He said, I'm going to take you to the promised land, and when you get to the promised land, you're going to be able to walk into houses you didn't build, and you're going to be able to take over vineyards that you didn't plant, and you're going to be able to pick out of, out of fields that you didn't, you know, you didn't sow. And, and so imagine this. Here they are. They've conquered Jericho. They've conquered Ai. They've conquered uh, the promised land. And they walk in, and they walk into a field that somebody else sowed. And grain is, is growing in it. They were blessed. It wasn't their work. It wasn't because of what they've done. It wasn't because they put a lot of time and effort in it. It was a blessing from God. Here you go. He said, when you come into that land and the first time you walk out in that field of wheat that you didn't sow and you begin to take from that, you need to take a tenth of it to the priest in the house of God and give it to him as first fruits. Now, I know, I know, some of you, you've got degrees upon degrees. And you spend a lot of time and you spend a lot of money at school, and I'm thankful for that. I believe in school. I've told my kids they need to go get an education. But if you think for one moment that the job that you're in is because of all the hard work that you've done and God didn't have a hand in it, you were sorely mistaken. God knows how to 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 allow your life to progress and I'm going to tell you right now I've just learned I learned from a small child to just say everything that I have is because of God's blessing and so there's times even even if I got the work even if if I went out and and knocked the doors so I could get some even if there's some things I did I've learned to say I'm reaping in fields I didn't sow in I'm harvesting in places I didn't plant and so I've just decided I'm going to do what God said and I'm going to bring a sheaf of my first fruits to the Lord and say, God, thank you for what you're doing in my life. Again, most of us, we don't, we're, we're, we don't plant, we don't farm. Some of you have gardens, but uh, uh, I, think I, I think I read somewhere, I don't know if it's uh, who it is, and maybe you can raise your hand if I'm talking about you, but somebody put on Facebook that you've already got your little seed bed started, and you've already kind of planted some seeds, and you've got it in those plastic containers. Who, who am I talking about? All right, I thought uh, 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 Sister uh, Amanda is back there, and, and, and it was her. She's, you've already started that. Now, you're not going to be able to get any, I don't, what all are you planting? Herbs? Okay, so you don't, you're not going to be able to get the blessing of those herbs for a while. Now, herbs grow a little bit faster than corn and wheat. But can you imagine the guy that went out there and he, 
he, he, he, he planted, he, he, he put the rows in, he tilled up the ground. It's hard work. They didn't have Massey Ferguson tractors and Ford tractors. They had oxen and they had to work hard on it. And he's, he's turned that ground over and he's put the furrows in there and he's planted the corn in there and he's covered it back up and he's praying for God to let it rain and it takes a little bit and then finally a little bit of green sprout, sprouts up. Months go by and he watches it grow and he watches those ears of corn on that stalk and finally the day comes that he's going to literally reap what he sowed. And God said, hey, before you take some of that good corn and put it in a pot with some good seasoning and salt and boil it and then you can eat that nice corn on the cob, why don't you give it to me first? Now wait, I've waited I've waited two, three months, God, to get this opportunity to eat this corn. But God says, listen, if you'll learn the principle of first fruits, whatever you give to me, I will give back, pressed down, shaken together, and running over the principle of first fruits. Now you see what it's like for you and I. We get a little paycheck. We get a little blessing. I don't know that we're going to get it this year with this government shutdown, but hopefully some of you at some point will get a little tax refund back. And you can say, I've waited all year for this. And you want me to give you something? But God says to you, just as he said to the farmer, I know you've waited a while to reap what you've sown. But if you'll learn the principle, watch what I do with what you give me and what you get in Return. In fact, the, the Hebrew word for first fruits, the Hebrew word for first fruits can be literally translated, and I love it, as a promise to come. And the proper way to look at a first fruit is to see it as an investment in your future. If I bring my first fruits to him, he'll bless everything that comes after. Could I take you to the book of Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9? Hopefully you have your Bibles with you. Would you turn there with me and let me show you what the smartest man in the Bible said. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9 says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. I'm going to come back to that here in a moment, but just remember that. If you'll honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. There's a principle there of giving to Him first. In the first five books of the Bible, Moses brings up the idea of first fruits some 13 times. It's even mentioned in the New Testament. And, and, and we see it there. It's to give God the things first. Cain, in the process of time, he thought about it. He woke up and he said, I'm going I'm to bring me some fruit. I'm going to bring me some vegetables and I'm going to give it to the Lord. And, and maybe a good understanding would be he had already cooked his dinner. He had already made up a pot of boiled corn. And he had a couple corn cobs left over, a couple, you, you know, things that normally you'd eat as leftovers. And he said, I'll bring that to the Lord. 
after I've already consumed what I want, after I've already consumed what our family needs, I'll bring God what's left over. But Abel brought the best he had to God. Abel walked out into his field and found a little lamb that had a whole life ahead of it, a life that would provide Abel with wool, provide Abel with maybe some some milk at some point, or provide Abel with uh, uh, some meat at some point in that animal's life. He brought brought to God the firstborn of his flock. He brought to God the healthiest of his animals and God recognized the difference. I don't want to give God something that is left over. I don't want to give to God something that that didn't cost me anything. I've got to put God first before everything else in my life. Does your offering cost you something or is it left over? Do you come to church and give God something that might be left after your paycheck? I don't know when you get paid, but you know, you, you, you get paid and you, you pay your bills and you go out to eat and you have a little fun on it and then Sunday rolls around and you look in your wallet or look in your checkbook and you say, well, I'll give God my leftovers or do you say, Lord, I'm going to give to you first, first fruits. Back in 2016, we, we, we launched this and, and uh, we, it was the beginning of our Give to Grow, which next weekend, next Sunday night, we're going we're gonna to kick off our 2019 Give to Grow, our building capital campaign. And uh, man, I'm just excited. I, I really feel like this is going to be a year that we are able to take a concrete step into the next phase of this church, whether it's the purchase of land or finding the land or finding a building because we're getting full. And I like that. But it comes with a lot of headaches in that. So we, we, we took time in 2016. We, we kicked off our capital campaign and we begin to give and you've seen just how God is blessed. But in doing so, on Wednesday nights, uh, I think it was a, a seven-week series, the first seven Wednesday nights of the year uh, in 2016, we played on Wednesday night, we played a video. It was about 20 minutes each time. We played a video series by Robert Morris called The Blessed Life. And there's a book that he's written about that too. And, and I've, I've, I've wrestled, and I think probably this year we may come back and see it again, this principle of, of, of The Blessed Life. And in that, there was one particular message that, that he taught on first fruits. Why it's so important to give God first. And I will tell you, it changed my life. If it didn't change yours, it changed my life. And from that day on, I have made a concerted effort to give God first things. And you can see what God does. Let me, let me read to you, and I'm, I'm going to take it a bit out of the context of the Scripture. Uh, because you, you need to understand the whole story and how the book of Romans is going forth. But let me, let me show you what Romans chapter 11 and verse 16 says. If the first part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. Now this is talking about Jesus Christ, the first fruits, and we, we understand that. But if you'll allow me to just take a principle. If you will give God your first fruits, and if the first fruits are holy, it makes everything else holy. So when you begin to give to God, just understand what you give to Him first makes everything else holy. The flip side of that is, if you don't give to him first, 
it can't be holy, and the rest that you have is unholy. And so we give our first fruits. This writer listed five things that you need to do before you give. Number one, you need to pray about it. If your goal is obedience to God, it only makes sense that you start it in prayer. You ask the Lord, Lord, what do I do with my resources? What do I do with my money? What do I do with my time? What do I do with my time, my talent, my treasures? Lord, guide me and I promise you if you'll learn to pray, he'll speak to you. The second is prepare. God calls us to be good stewards of the blessings that he gives us. And so it means knowing what we have and what we're able to give and when we're giving it. Have a plan. Now this seems so simple, but uh, have a plan to give. That's why we have that kiosk back there. Because as I begin to pastor, I realize people don't do a real good job planning to give. You don't bring your checkbook to church. You don't carry cash in your in your pocket. And so when we would take up the offering, all you had was your debit card. And so you didn't give. So I said, I'm going to help you prepare better. I'm going to put a kiosk back there. You can use your debit card. That way you don't ever have a, an excuse not to give. And you know what? I watched our offerings go up. Because people said, I'm now able to give. I've come prepared. I don't carry cash. I don't carry checks. But now I can give. Prepare. In fact, I want you to think about this. Those, those farmers out there, they planted, and they had to approach every harvest time with a plan. As soon as I'm able to pick this corn, I'm taking my first fruits, and I'm going to the house of God, and I'm going to give them to the Lord. Do you do the same for your harvest time? What is your harvest time? It's every paycheck. It's every time God blesses you. It's a tax refund, whatever you might want to talk about. It's God, that's your harvest time. Do you approach your harvest time with that principle in your mind, what can I give to God first? The third thing you need to do is prioritize. That, that farmer had to prioritize. This first basket goes to God. They had to get it all straight. And you need to do the same there. The idea is put God first. And I, I will tell you a principle that will absolutely change your life. When you get paid, if you will, whether you do it on the kiosk, whether you do it through a website, whether you put it in a tithing envelope, whether you write a check, if you will give God the first out of your paycheck, you will be amazed at what God does with the rest. I, I've seen this in my own life. Let me give you a, a small example. Um, we just had this snow I didn't sled and ski and all that when, it, when I was a kid in snow time. I shoveled driveways. My mom and dad didn't give me an allowance. They, I, I never had any of that blessing. They, they, gave, you know, they, they blessed in other ways, but I never had an allowance. And so if I wanted money, I either had to wait to birthdays or Christmas or I had to go make it. And I would be 10, 11, 12 years old, and I would get my shovel on the back of my shoulder, and I went and knocked doors. We lived in a big subdivision, and I would knock doors, and I would say, I'll shovel your driveway for $15. I'll shovel your driveway for $20. And a snow like this, I'd have come back with $300 or $400. I would work from the time that I could knock on a door in the morning until well after night, and I would shovel, and I would get that money, and, oh, man, you talk about, I mean, that's, still a lot to me right now, but as a, as a 12-year-old kid, $300 in your pocket, and I didn't have to pay for anything except my, my walking, that was a lot of money. But I learned something. If I didn't pay my tithes on that, that snow shovel money, 
the next snow that came around, it could be a bigger snow, it could be a better snow, and I'd knock on doors and I'd have more people tell me no and I wouldn't make near the same amount of money. But then I could go out and, 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 and make, you know, $300 on, a, on a, you know, a foot of snow. I could pay my tithes on that, and the next snow would be half an inch, and I'd make even more money on the half-inch snow because God was teaching me as a child that if I will give to God my first fruits, He knows how to make everything else blessed. And so it is that I learned to prioritize my giving. And then... You give. You give to the church. You give your tithes. You give your offerings. Sometimes you give to a missionary. Sometimes you give to shoes for Christ. Whatever it might be. Learn to give. And then the last thing is repeat it. Repeat it. Make it a habit. Every time you get a harvest, every time you get a paycheck, every time that God blesses you, you just learn to give. It's not something that you do spontaneous. It's not something you do sporadically. But let it be a habit in your life every time I give to God first. So let me read to you a few scriptures. We read Proverbs, honor the Lord with your wealth, honor honor Him with your first fruits, and then your... your, your uh, Barns will be filled with plenty. As you know, I, I, I have a, an aversion of just taking one or two verses out and reading those alone. I have to read the verses before or the verses after to get the, the full context of that. And so let me read to you the verses prior and watch how they tie to the giving. My son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my t- commandments. For the length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart so you'll find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. And here's the key. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean to your own understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil and it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment for your bones. Giving God things first doesn't make a lot of sense in the natural. I remember Brother C.M. Becton, those of you that have been around a little bit longer, you might remember him. He was the General Secretary of the United Pentecostal Church International for years and years and years. An incredible man, a phenomenal preacher. And I remember him preaching that, that and, and this would have been when I was a, a teenager and later in my, in, my, in my teens, in my young adult life, I remember him preaching how his CPA would get so mad at him because of how much they gave. And the CPA would say, you know, uh, uh, his name was Cleveland, said, Cleveland, you can't keep doing that. It doesn't make any sense. You can't give all that money to the church. You, you, you're never going to survive. And, and he would say, no, no, I've learned the principle of putting God first. And God blessed. As a kid, that didn't make a lot of sense to me, but I've had two CPAs now in my own life look at me and say, you know what, you probably need to do something different. And I've looked them straight in the eye and I said, I'll do a lot of things different. I, I, can, I can do a lot of planning differently, but that's one thing that's not negotiable. I've learned to give God first fruits. And so I don't lean on my own understanding, but I trust in the Lord with all my life and I have trusted him. God, if I give to you and it doesn't look like I have enough left over for what I need, I'm trusting in you that you will supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. Would you look with me in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6. 
Malachi chapter 3 is one of the most powerful verses when it comes to giving or, or the lack thereof that you could ever have. And I want to read it and then I'm gonna, I want to do something uh, with what we hear. Malachi chapter 3 verse 6 uh, through 15. For I the Lord do not change, therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed God? It's been in your tithes and your contributions. You are cursed with a curse for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine of your field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed and you will be a land of delight says the Lord of hosts. Now, that's a pretty negative statement. In this period of Israel's history, they're in captivity, and some of them are about to go in captivity. They have walked away from God. They've not kept the commandments of God. They've, they've walked as far away from God's word as they could possibly walk. And now they're struggling. And God says, it's because you've robbed me, but why don't you try that first fruit offering again. Why don't you try to give to God again and see if I don't open up the windows of heaven. Now that is a negative statement. and Not, not, not the I'll open the windows, but just what Israel was doing, it's bad. But you can read the Bible and you can read the other side of the coin and you're not changing the word of God. I've made this statement. The Bible says thou shalt not lie. You know what the positive statement of that is? Tell the truth. You see, I didn't change the word of God at all. I just simply told you the, 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 the positive principle. Now, I'm going to try to do this kind of just off the cuff, but could we read this in the positive? When the Lord says, from the days of your father, you've kept my statutes and you've walked with me and you've been with me and you've given to God and, and you've given in your tithes and your contributions so you're blessed with a blessing because you have given you and all the nation of you, you've brought the full tithe into the storehouse and so now I have opened the windows of heaven. I'm pouring out a blessing until you don't have a need. I've rebuked the devourer. It won't destroy the fruits of your soil and the vine and your field shall, shall always bear that's a positive statement I don't want to wait until my life is falling apart to suddenly realize I should have been giving God my first fruits do you hear me? Why do we wait until we are flat, broke, and destitute and our life is messed up and everything's falling apart to suddenly do what God has said if you'll just start it at the beginning you'll never get to that place if you'll just give, watch what God will do. Now, remember, Malachi, all of these minor prophets from, from, from Hosea and Joel and Amos and Obadiah and all of those, all the way to Malachi, they all are talking about the same time frame and kind of the same thing. It's all about Israel being in captivity or going into captivity and God wanting to re, 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 uh, give them a reprieve, God wanting to bring them out, God wanting to touch them. And so you can read Malachi and you can go over and read Joel and they're kind of talking about the same thing. So I want to read Joel. 
Most of the time we read Joel in the context of the book of Acts and Acts chapter 2 because Joel was who Peter preached about. But watch this, Joel chapter 1. Hear the word of the Lord that came to Joel. Hear this, you elders, and give ear, all you inhabitants of the land. Has such a thing happened in your days or in the days of your father? Tell the children of it. Let your children tell their children and their children to another generation that what the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. And what the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. And what the hopping locust left, the destroying locust has eaten. Now, that's a bad place. We don't have locusts right now. I mean, we don't think about it. it, it they're, they're huge, gigantic gigantic grasshoppers. We're not talking about cicadas. That's what we call locusts now. But these are grasshoppers, and they were voracious. And uh, you can see it uh, in, in, in history. One of the most recent ones would be uh, uh, in, in the turn of last century, the Dust Bowl in Oklahoma, and, and, and locusts came. And they have said that a swarm of locusts can eat every leaf off of a, a field. I'm talking about a huge field in just a matter of minutes and then fly away and you'll have nothing but bare stalks. That what you see right here is compounding judgment. God brings the, the cutting locusts and when they get done destroying, there might be a little left and then the swarming locusts come and they're going to begin to eat it. And whatever might be left there, the hopping locust comes and what the hopping locust uh, leaves, then the destroying locust, it's a compounding judgment. Verse 7 says, it's laid to waste your vine and it splintered the fig tree. It stripped off the bark and thrown it down. The branches are made white. Now there's some, there's some spiritual things that Joel's trying to get across. We also are talking about the children of Israel and, and the Lord is saying that, that you've been stripped bare. But I'm just trying to give you the, the, the physical principle. And here's the reason why in verse 9. The grain offering and the drink offering are cut off from the house of the Lord. And the priest mourns the ministers of the Lord. It's because they failed to give their firsts. That in verse 10 it says, your fields are destroyed, your ground mourns, and your grain is destroyed, your wine is dried up, and your oil languishes. And then in verse number 13, it says, it's because the grain offering and drink offering are withheld from the house of the Lord. And because of that, verse 16, is not the food cut off before your eyes, joy and gladness from the house of God. The seed shrivels under the clods of dirt. The storehouses are desolate. The granaries are torn down because the grain dried up. The beasts groan. The herds of cattle are perplexed because there's no pasture for them. Even the flocks of sheep suffer. And, and, and the fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. And the flame has burned up the trees of the field. All because you never gave him your first fruits. Now, in verse in chapter 2, of course, much of this is dealing with what's going to happen on the day of Pentecost. I want to show you what it says. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your hearts, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. Rend your, garment, rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord. He's gracious and merciful and slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn or relent and leave a blessing behind, a drink offering and a grain offering for the Lord your God. Blow a trumpet, trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Concentra consecrate the, the uh, congregation. Assemble the elders. And then it begins to say this, and I love what it says. It says, 
uh, in verse 20. I will remove the northerner far from you. I will drive him into a parched and desolate land, his vanguard into the eastern sea, his rear guard into the western sea. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Fear not, you beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness are green. The tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and the vine will give their full yield. He'll give you the early rain for your vindication. He'll pour down the abundant rain, the early and the latter rain together. Your threshing floors will be full of grain. The vats shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore unto you what the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. You'll eat and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. Now, while there are some deep principles in that that I don't have time to get on, principles that deal with with the, the Holy Ghost that was poured out in the day of Pentecost, here's the principle I want you to take out of it. The reason they got into the fix before is because they had forgotten to give God things, the things first. But God said, if you'll turn around, if you'll repent and say, Lord, I've messed up in my past, but I want to change it right now. He said, I'll restore what those locusts have eaten. That compounding judgment that kept compounding. Watch what I do. See if I don't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing from you. If you'll learn to give the principle of first things first. I don't don't preach it and I don't believe in what we call the prosperity doctrine. I don't believe that, that, that I can give a seed offering and go walk out and buy me a brand new 2019 Ford 350 pickup truck and pay cash with it. I don't believe in that. I don't believe that I can manipulate God into me getting a bigger house or a better car or making a lot more money and just putting it in the bank. But what I do believe is that God blesses those that give to Him first. Because it's an element of faith. Lord, I don't know what this week holds. I don't know what, what's going to happen. I, I just, I just, I got blessed. The harvest came. It's a paycheck. Something happened. I, I'm blessed and I'm holding my harvest in my hand. And I don't know what the next planting and harvest seasoning is, season is going to bring. See, that, that, that farmer, he, he don't know if the next time he plants all of his corn, if it's going to grow or not. He doesn't know if the rain or the wind or drought or any of that's going to happen. But he walks by faith, not by sight. And he says as he holds that harvest in his hand, he holds that paycheck in his hand, he holds the blessings that God has given him in his hand. And by faith, he offers it first. And when you offer to God first, God makes holy the rest. I pastored for over 10 years now. I have preached every principle I know to preach in the Bible. I don't preach about giving very often because it's not about the money. It's not about, you know, all of that. But listen to me very carefully. I've lived life long enough that I understand this principle to be 100% true. And many are suffering needlessly Because you've never learned to give to God first things first. And your life is miserable. You have you've dealt with the locusts, you've dealt with the 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 the, 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 
King James says you've dealt with the locust and the canker worm and the palmer worm and the caterpillar. You've dealt with all of that because you've never learned to trust God first things first. I'm trying to help you today. It's not about me. It's not about even this church. It's about if you will give to God first things, He will bless the rest. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I want you to stand today. I, I, I have made this statement, and I'm going to say it again. I don't look at what people give. About once a year, I, I, I will ask... Sister Danielle, our financial secretary, once a year I'll ask, I'll say, I just kind of want to see the contribution statements. I don't get up Monday morning and go see who put what in the offering. I, I choose not to worry about that. So, so I'm not, I don't have anybody in mind. I'm not, I have no idea what you give. Because I, I, I choose to just come and worship. So, so I can't tell you what to do right now. All I can do is ask you, as, as our, our team begins to play and sing, all I can ask you is close your eyes and talk to God. And I want you to lay your life out to God and say, God, is what I'm dealing with, the palm worm, the canker worm, the hopping and cutting and destroying and flying locusts, is the reason my life is, is being consumed? I think it's later on in Malachi. I didn't go far enough, but Malachi says that that you're walking around and it's like your pockets have holes in it. You put money in your pockets and then it just disappears. You have no idea where it goes. Why? It's because you never gave to God first and so everything else is not blessed. And I've dealt with this in my life. I've, I've had those moments where, where I didn't give to God first and I didn't give to God my tithes and it was amazing how fast that paycheck just disappeared. It's like it had holes in it. I didn't know where it went. But I've had moments where I didn't know how in the world I was going to do what I was going to do. It was a very small, small harvest, if you will. But I gave to God first. And it was like the little widow with that vial of oil. It just never ran out. Every day I'd go check my bank account just knowing it's going to be empty, just knowing it's going to be overdrafted, just knowing I'm never going to make it because, Lord, I gave you first and I don't have enough left over. But somehow God just knows how to keep going and it keeps blessing because if you give the first fruits, it's holy and it makes everything else holy behind it. And so I'm asking you to, to pray and say, Lord, I'm examining my life. And if there's any place in my life that has become unholy because I didn't give you the things first, then I need to change right now. And I'm asking that you would touch each and every one that is here. Lord, I pray that you would let us, let us grab hold of the principle, first things first, first God.